Good morning, church. I'm going to pray as well. Father, I thank you that we can gather together, both in person and online, Lord, to hear your word this morning. I pray that your spirit will lead us in every way. I pray that the word of the Lord would be living and active this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. So, before I turn to the word, I just want to give a couple of things because this is, this is about a healing community and mental health. So I want you to know that after the service, there's some handouts in the lobby with a list of resources that include things like the suicide hotline, the crisis line, and other numbers. I uh, find these to be helpful, and I wanted them to be readily available to you as well. Two of the resources that are on that list include Elder Sarah Gross and myself. We delivered a uh, talk about mental illness and mental health in the church a few years ago. And in Sarah's presentation, she specifically shared some excellent do's and don'ts for the church. So um, I would encourage you to listen to those if you want more information. My presentation is more of a testimony of how our family has walked through and continues to walk through the um, arena of mental illness and mental health. And I want you to know that it is important, it is important to say that mental illness, like other illnesses, often require professional help. I am, you know, often the church just needs to stay in its lane, and we try to go outside, and we, we, we might try and do first aid on some things. But I want you to know that mental illness is serious, that there is a range. There's mild to severe. There's um, one episode or two or, or multiple. So before I say anything else today, I want you to hear that if you or someone you know is experiencing mental illness right now, that professional health is important, okay? Let's not try and do first aid on somebody who needs a surgeon. So with that very strong word right there, um, I'm gonna start. Um, I was tempted to take Sarah's presentation and share with you the do's and the don'ts. That would have been so easy, um, but I'm not going to. Thank you, Sarah. However, with her permission, um, I will share how she described mental illness. And I quote from Sarah Gross. Mental illnesses are health conditions involving changes in thinking, emotion, and behavior, or a combination of all three. Mental illnesses are associated with distress and or problems in functioning in social, occupational, and family activities. So that's the definition. When I talk about mental illness, that's what I'm talking about. And I want to share with you that nearly one in five U.S. adults experienced a mental illness in 2019. And most commonly, that was depression and anxiety. So look around this room. One in five of us have experienced mental illness. One in five of us. So I want you to hear that you and I are not alone this morning. I didn't see anybody look around the room. So would you please look around the room and see one in five of us. 
you're not alone. Researchers who analyzed data from dozens of studies about the prevalence of major depressive disorder and anxiety disorders in the pandemic reported that each increased by 28% and 26% respectively last year. 15.8% of youth experienced major depressive episode in the last year. Over 60% of the youth with a major depression, with major depression, did not receive mental health treatment. Think about that. Suicide is a leading cause of death in the United States a leading cause of death for all genders, all ages, all races, all identities, and all ethnicities. I share these statistics to challenge the stigma that the church has had with the Association of Mental Illness. I share these statistics to highlight the mental health challenges and how important they are, as important as other health conditions. Individuals and families challenged with mental illness are not to be judged, nor are they to be demonized. Church, mental illness is not a sin. Mental illness is not evil. Individuals with mental illness are not separated from God. <sighs> Individuals, one in five, one in five, who have these conditions that have fallen on them, these individuals are made in the image of God. They bear the image of God. They are fashioned and formed, delighted in, by the creator of the universe. Just like everyone else. His beloved creatures who struggle with mental health challenges require, require understanding, deep compassion, and treatment that goes beyond a band-aid. A healing community imitates the person of Jesus. As Luke 6.36 says, Show mercy and compassion for others, just as your heavenly Father overflows with mercy and compassion for all. The creator of the universe overflows with mercy and compassion for five of five. Whew. Do you hear that, church? And that's just the starting point. Mental health challenges can occur, as I said, one episode or many. They may be mild or severe. They can be one or many. Symptoms of a mental health crisis or mental illness manifest differently from person to person. Neither the illness, the crisis, or the treatment is a one-size-fits-all, regardless of what the consumers, the advertisers want you to think. 
In addition, each culture defines mental health and treatment in a variety of ways. So for all of us, it is common to experience sadness and stress and moodiness from time to time, I am sure. So how do we know when it is a mental illness? How do we know when it's anxiety or depression or trauma? How do we know? Well, there's no simple answer. In fact, in my studies, mental illness is so varied that the mental health professionals rely on this dictionary, the DSM-5. And in here, and these are thin pages, I want you to know this is not cardstock, these are thin. And there is 946 pages right here. Okay, and this is the diagnostic criteria. Um, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders. This is what I'm studying in school right now. So the professionals, the ones getting trained, this is their dictionary that they use. So how are we, the church? Copies of this are available after the sermon for, no, just kidding, <laughs> really not. <laughs> yeah, student loan went right here. So, so here's my question this morning. So how in the world are we, the church, seeking to be a healing community? How are we trying to do that, supposed to respond, support, and resource individuals and families impacted by mental health challenges? How are we supposed to do that if you all aren't going to memorize this and get a degree? How are we supposed to do that as a healing community? <laughs> So glad you asked. So glad you asked this morning. So if you will, turn with me to Acts 16. We're going to open the other purple book this morning, the Bible. So, and we're going to look at this together. I didn't expect to preach out of Acts, um, but I thought I'd be talking out of Psalms, you know, because David had a lot to say. Uh, he experienced a lot of depression and trauma and anxiety, and I thought, that's where we're going. But you know what? It's not where we're going. Um, I was hesitant to use this scripture in Acts 16 because it includes a jailer who is about to take his life. And I realize the seriousness of that. I acknowledge the seriousness of suicide and wanting to harm oneself. And so I was hesitant, wasn't quite sure. But please note that I'm going to use this story of the jailer allegorically to illustrate how a healing community might respond to a person in great emotional distress. Again, I want to say that we should never ignore comments or thoughts about taking one's life. And I'm going to say it one more time. If you or anyone you know is having suicidal thoughts or making plans to harm themselves, please reach out to a professional at the National Suicide Prevention Line or 911. Suicide thoughts and distress require professional resourcing. And I can't emphasize it enough that you or they are not alone. In Acts 16, this incident is an example of a community response which is honoring, 
compassionate and beneficial for both the individual about to take their life and the whole community. So out of Acts 16, verses 22 to 29. A great crowd gathered, and all the people joined in to come against them. This was Paul and Silas, by the way. The Roman officials ordered that Paul and Silas be stripped of their garments, beaten with rods on their bare backs. After they were severely beaten, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely. So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound. Paul and Silas, undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God while the other prisoners listened to their worship. Suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. All at once, every prison door flung open, and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. Startled, the jailer awoke and saw every cell door standing open. Assuming that all of the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. When Paul shouted in the darkness, Stop! Don't hurt yourself. We are all still here. And the jailer called for a light. So in this text, as I was reading through the book of Acts, and again, not planning to do the sermon on that, but as I was reading through the book of Acts, this story stood out to me as an example, an illustration of a healing community responding to someone in great distress. This healing community right here, Paul and Silas, in in their own beings, they were broken, they were beaten, and they were bound. They were in a place of powerlessness. And, oh, I love that word. And, God. And they were declaring the goodness of God. In their place of brokenness, beaten, bound, and imprisoned in powerlessness, they were praising and speaking of the goodness of God. Perhaps they were singing one of David's songs. I knew I'd get Psalms in there somehow. So in Psalms 31, 5 through 9, and then verse 14. Perhaps they were singing this song in the midst of their broken, beaten, bound place. Where David says, into your hands I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, the God of truth and faithfulness. I hate those who pay pay regards to vain, empty, worthless, worthless idols. But I trust in the Lord and rely on him with unwavering confidence. I will rejoice and be glad in his steadfast love because you have seen my afflictions. You have taken note of my life's distress. You have not given me into the hand of my enemy. You have set my feet in a spacious place. Be gracious and compassionate to me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. 
best for me. I trust confidently in you and your greatness, O Lord. I said you are my God. Perhaps this was the song that Paul and Silas were singing in the midst of their own distress, in the midst of their troubled times. Perhaps they were singing with David and saying, You are great, O Lord. This healing community from an innermost cell of prison. This healing community from their innermost cell of prison. Dark, cold, messy. Entered into the innermost forts of praise together. They held on to God. God is hope. God is good. From their innermost cell of prison, they entered the innermost courts of praise. As a result, there was a supernatural impact. And all, not just them, but all the prisoners were let loose. Prisoners were let loose. That, my friends, is a healing community. Right there, where it can, it's just not about you and your little box, and you, your little, or, you know, whatever. But it's all. It's five in five. Whose chains were let loose that day. Five. Even those who were watching Listening, the spectators, the spectators. You know, we t sometimes turn our noses down to, well, they're not here. They're just spectating. They're not out on the field. They're not in the pews. They're spectating. But in this text, this healing community impacted all and five in five regardless were loosed that day. That is a healing community. So now let me just tell you a little bit about the impact. Or actually, well, not the impact, but let me tell you about the, uh, what, what made them a, he a healing community uh, a little bit more. What they did. What did this healing community did then? They were sitting in their, their place. They were in the courts of praise. They were singing about Jesus. They were talking about the greatness of God. They were proclaiming God's goodness and his faithfulness and all of that. And then, how did they put it into practice? How did they put it into practice? So this healing community responded to this distressed jailer. The healing community response to those in emotional pain, those struggling with mental illness. First thing I noticed in this text, in this story, in this allegory, if you will, is that it was dark. It was dark for everyone. Five of five, it was dark. 
And in that darkness, somehow, somehow, because Paul and Silas responded, stop, don't hurt yourself. We're all still here. Paul and Silas listened to the guards. How did they know that this jailer was about to take his life? It was dark. The jailer couldn't see. They couldn't see. They listened. They heard the sounds of distress. They were in tune. Maybe that jailer was praying to some unknown God. Maybe he was saying, what am I going to do? This was my job. This was my responsibility. Maybe he was muttering to himself like I often do in the morning and afternoon and evening. But they heard. They were in tune. Maybe they heard his sword come out of its covering. Maybe they heard his sword come out of its covering. And that requires listening intently. Intently. You all hear the clock ticking right now? in tune. They heard in the darkness. They knew. They knew that this jailer was distressed and about to take his life. From their place of freedom, because remember, the chains came loose. They were, they were unbound now. From their place of freedom, you know what else I see? jailer. He drew his sword. He was about to kill himself when Paul shouted in the darkness, stop! Stop! Imagine how that resonated through the walls of that jail. Stop! He spoke stop. He was a prisoner and he spoke stop to the jailer with authority with authority. They were silent. They were not silent, I should say. The healing community was not silent. They spoke out with authority and said, stop, wait, hold up, pause, don't do that. They shouted their concern. You don't yell stop if you're not concerned. The other thing that they said is, don't hurt yourself. In that, they saw within the distressed jailer the value of him. And they said, stop! Don't hurt yourself! You are worthwhile. You have value. You are made in the image of God, fashioned and formed by the creator of the universe. Stop. Don't hurt yourself. They had compassion. They had compassion, and they saw this distressed individual's worth. They didn't find him a hindrance. 
They didn't find him an inconvenience. They found him worthwhile to pursue. To pursue, don't hurt yourself. The next thing they said was, we are all still here. Can you imagine that? In the darkness, and and you've got this distressed jailer, and he's been muttering to himself, and he's all worked up, and he's ready to take his own life. And, And they say, stop! Don't hurt yourself. We are all still here. This healing community, Paul and Silas, they could have walked right out of the jail. They could have passed right on by. They could have walked out their freedom away from this distressed jailer. But they didn't. They didn't walk out. They didn't walk by. They didn't walk around. They didn't turn their backs and walk the other way. They remained. And the jailer, the one in distress, was not alone. They remained. A healing community listens to the unspoken things. A healing community speaks with authority. Stop. Wait. A healing community says you are worthwhile. You are made in the image of God regardless of what you are going through. Regardless of of what the DSM says. Regardless of how this lays out your course or what may or may not happen, the God of the universe says you are worthwhile. And a healing community will echo that message. You want to talk about an echo chamber? This was an echo chamber that day. And what was resonating through there was, you are worthwhile. You are made in the image of God. You are worthwhile. Stop. Don't hurt yourself. We will stay with you. We will remain here. And the result? And the result of a healing community? Acts right here says, Acts 16.29 says, the jailer, the one in distress, the one in emotional pain, the one who was unclear and clouded in his thinking, who thought that death was the only release, called out for light. Called out for light. He asked for help. Bring me the light so I can see. Let me see in my confusion. Let me see. The jailer himself opened himself and took the opportunity to call out for hope. Bring me the light. Bring me the light. A healing community, regardless 
of their imprisonment, a healing community regardless of their persecution, a healing community in, in regardless of their being bound and not understood and injustice coming on them, will have hope to offer when someone in distress calls out for light. Paul and Silas, a healing community. So often when we read the scripture, we look at Paul and Silas, they're singing in the midst of their boundness and their uh, supernatural earthquake came, let them loose, and then the jailer came to Jesus. And that's what happens in the rest of this text. And that's important. But there is more that the Lord is saying. There is more that we forget. We forget the middle. And I'm saying that as a healing community, we need to listen. We need to speak out. We need to value and see the image of God. We need to remain. healing community was able to offer hope, help, healing, belonging, being seen. The jailer was seen even in the darkness. He was seen in his darkness because the God of the universe sees. This healing community enabled a distressed person one who is challenged and overwhelmed by emotion to be heard. To be heard. As a healing community, we need to hear the hearts of those that are in emotional distress, who are, who are dealing with mental illness, who are, have struggles with mental health. We need to hear we need to see, and we need to value. The power of this healing community to notice, to value, to have compassion, to remain, their power was anchored in imitating Christ as the light of the world. Their power was made possible by the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural. Their ability to be a healing community was held together through the goodness of God. I can't ever do a sermon without, or actually ever talk really, without using the word regardless. On my tombstone it's going to say regardless. Because in all of this, you know, we can take this story and we can misapply it and think, you know, let's, okay, let's just quote scripture to people. Let's just, you know, do, do this or that and the other thing. But, you know, we can't do anything without imitating Christ, being empowered by the Holy Spirit and firmly fixed on an unshakable foundation of the goodness. 
So regardless of who, what, when, where, why, it is dark. There's emotional distress. There's hopelessness. Regardless, regardless of those inner prisons, God is good. Because glory has He holds us in the palm of his hand. There's a spacious place. A spacious place. Father, I thank you. And in the midst of my own worship team, if you would come. Father, in the midst of of my own experiences, Lord, of mental health challenges and mental illness and the impact of all that, the darkness, hopelessness, you have remained. You have remained. You are the ultimate healing community. You, the triune God, are the ultimate healing community. For you listen. You speak with authority. You care. You remain. Triune God remains. Father, Father, help us to be a healing community. And Father, for those of us, the one in five, those of us who feel emotional distress, and are overwhelmed and struggle with anxiety, depression, trauma. Father, for those of us who's, who, who deal with this on a day-to-day basis, would you hold us? Would you hold us, oh God? Would you hold us, oh God? And would you bring the light, bring the light to those of us in despair today? Holy Spirit, in the name of the Most High, the Most High, the ever-loving, the all-attentive, weeping with us, Jesus, today I call upon the name of Jesus, the one who weeps with great compassion over all of us, Lord, in that innermost cell of prison. I call upon the name of Jesus to bring hope by the goodness 